All right, welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And you know those days where you wake up in the morning and you're like, ooh, I've got something on my calendar I'm really excited about. Well, that's exactly what I have going on today because I have got Miss Andrea Owen, and she is a speaker, she's a life coach, she's an author, she likes to be called a Hellraiser, which you know is right up my alley. And we are going to be talking about her journey, her relaunch, and how it's impacted her, and how she is now able to sit here and say yes, there was a silver lining and yes, there were some key takeaways that if she could talk to her former self, she'd let them know, you know what? You're going to get through this just fine. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program. And this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable, and we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the Business Bootcamp, which is a five-day free event, and get involved with this because the pearls that we're going to be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money, and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next bootcamp. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step -step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. So, Welcome, welcome. It's so great to have you here and so excited to share your relaunch. So let's start there. Let's start the convo with biggest relaunch in your journey so far. Well, hello, Hillary and all the listeners. What, a, what an amazing introduction. Thank you. I'm My face already hurts from smiling That's with this, so this amazing welcome. I have quite a relaunch. <laughs> it's so funny because I never expected this to be a story that I would tell so many times on various interviews and up on stages, but it started pretty much back in around 2002. I was married before, and that's the very first time I found out about life coaching. And I had stumbled upon it sort of serendipitously online, and I was telling my, my then-husband this sounds like the career for me. You know, I was, I was, had gone back to school to get my degree in exercise physiology at the time. And so I thought I'm going to meld fitness and life coaching. I think I'd be great at this, but the only thing is that I think that 
to be a great life coach, you would probably have to have some life experience. And I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of life experience at the time. And then I, you know, closed the browser out and went about my life. (laughs) Two years after that, as my then husband and I were talking about conceiving our first child, he had an affair with our neighbor that lived across the street and subsequently got her pregnant. And it wasn't like, oh, I've made this big mistake, Andrea, can we work it out? And we're going to have this, you know, child. No, it was, I'm in love with this woman. Please don't ruin this for me. Literal words out of his mouth. Please don't ruin this for me. He said that because he had also lied to her. He was living a double life essentially for seven months and had Mm. also lied to her and told her that he had filed for divorce, that I just wouldn't move out of the house because I didn't want the divorce, which was all a lie. (laughs) It was was a mess, Hillary. Like the whole story, it's just bananas. Yes, I'm working on a memoir because there's so many- Isn't it funny as you sit here and you're like talking about it now, you're like- Really? Did this really have like craziness, right? Oh, it got, you're got sitting worse. There, you're, yeah, you're having, you had this baby, then all of a sudden he's living a double life. It's, it is, yeah. it's like a sitcom, right? Or not even like we a, didn't have babies together it's, yet. We, we were okay. talking about oh, conceiving okay. our first child. We had been together okay. for 13 years since we were teenagers. Oh. And this was, we had this all planned out. I was 31 oh. at the time. I very much wanted to start a family. I, my biological clock was ticking and I was ready. I was more than ready to, to start having, having children. And so that happened. Then he did finally file for divorce. I met someone new. Um, I went, I started online dating, which I really should not have done, but I needed a distraction. I didn't have any coping skills at the time. So I started Mm. dating and I met someone whom I thought was fantastic. And on the second date, he told me, unfortunately, that he had terminal cancer. So I, you know, should I stay or should I leave? You know, and he gave me an out and he said, I totally understand if you don't want to stay in this relationship. And I stayed and we were together for a few months. He was very sick at times and would get better at times. And he wasn't sure if it was terminal. And a few months into that relationship, I started to get a little suspicious that he wasn't telling me the whole truth. There were some pretty bleeding red flags and I would ask him about them. And my gut was telling me something's going on. To be honest with you, my gut was whispering at me on the first date. He seemed a little bit too good to be true, but I was in such a terrible place, just an agony only a few months after finding out that my husband had had an affair and that I was getting a divorce. So the long and short of it is nine months into that relationship with the man that I thought had cancer, it all comes out that he never had cancer and that he was addicted to opioids and he was using the cancer story to cover up his drug addiction. Uh, and that all the cancer medication- Okay, everyone we out there right down- now is like, ah, oh, oh. Right? I'm sitting here because I, you know, watched my mom pass away after a year of struggling with cancer. And I'm sitting here thinking, he did that? How could someone lie? That's Uh, what I thought. Because I started to get suspicious. How sweet are you? I mean, honestly, what a beautiful person that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this for as long as I can. Well, and that was also severely codependent. Like, let's call call it what it is. Yes. I was severely codependent. And we lived in San Diego at the time, as you and I were talking about before we started recording. And you can go down to Tijuana, Mexico and get a lot of illegal medications that are illegal in the United States, but they're legal there. So we had been going down all summer to get his cancer medication. And I thought it was interesting that he wanted me to stay outside of the pharmacy when he purchased this medication. Anyway, it all came tumbling down that he never had cancer. And the whole story is crazy how I ended up finding out and he did admit it when I confronted him. Okay. I got to have a little of the story. I like the crazy stories. Okay. 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 We're not even ready for the story yet. Okay. There's just one more quick detail is that I was pregnant. I took 
took a pregnancy <gasps> test the same week that I confronted him with everything. And so I was at a crossroad, you know, do I continue with this, with this pregnancy? Um, he had agreed to go to rehab and I'm like, you know, some people do recover. Some people get sober and change their life. So should I, I did. And he went to rehab and met someone else in rehab and fell in love with her. And we broke up and I had the baby. He's 13. <laughs> Well, and that's why when I said, okay, I thought that that was, all right, so this this even is just more circuitous and we are off on it was like a rock so many bottom. Like, <laughs> Wow, holy moly. Okay, mm-hmm. so in, in actual his detox, he meets somebody and <laughs> he's like- I I'm hacked now. into his email and that's how I found out about that relationship. And I had gone to family week at this rehab center. It was an inpatient rehab center in Arizona. The Meadows, it's like famous. Selena Gomez has been there. And I went there for a week and I participated in these in these group therapy, which I had never done before. And the woman that he was having a relationship with was in our group. And I'm there like pouring my heart out and talking about my fam- family of origin shame stories in front of these people. And they were laughing about it in emails back and forth to each other. I found the emails. Mm. So I was on the ground in my apartment, on the phone with my sister in the fetal position. I had just read all these emails and found everything out and I had no way of contacting him. And I'm on the phone with my sister and I was still legally married to my ex-husband, by the way, like my divorce wasn't even final yet. And I'm still fighting with him over money and stupid divorce things. And, and I was at, and it was a very much like I had dissociated at that point and just sort of looked at my life. Like, how did I get here? I was 31. All of my friends were at, that's, you know, right around the time where everybody's getting married and having babies and settling down and, and, you know, saying goodbye to your party Mm -hmm. days. And I was humiliated and so ashamed of where I had ended up. And I understood that the men that I had chosen to be in a relationship with had had behaved very poorly, but at the same time, I had to look at what I had tolerated. I had ignored my intuition in both of those relationships where I knew that those, those were not good relationships for me, continued to stay in them. And I, I had to come to terms with that. And that's when I changed my life. I, I truly just picked myself up off the ground and said, I don't know what is in store for me, but it surely wasn't this. So whatever but it you is, also have, it you also prayer. have this baby, you have a baby growing, I was pregnant. right? And you're mm-hmm. like, I've decided I'm keeping the baby. I'm going to be a single and mom. I'm going to be a single mom. And, and you're, you're saying, I got to, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out, not just yeah. for myself, but you got, and I knew so this- many women who had <gasps> gone before me had, had done it. You know, it's not like I'm the first woman in millennia who, who'd mm-hmm. ever been uh, right. left with a child. And, and I, you know, I come from enormous amounts of privilege. I did have resources. I had a family that loved me very much and would help me. And my mom's like, move to Utah with me and your stepdad and we'll take mm-hmm. care of you. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I was willing to do whatever it took. You know, I had, I definitely had support and people that loved me, but emotionally, and mentally, I was a complete disaster. Oh my God, what'd you do? How did you, I know you said you picked yourself up. I did. What did you actually do? You know what, this, so this wasn't, this was early 2007. And I don't know if you remember when, so it was already a book, the book, The Secret. Do you remember that? Ah, yes. I have a this whole was, story around that that I've, I've okay. shared. So yes. So this is right when the DVD was released. So I hadn't read the book, but the DVD came out and it was, everybody was talking about it and you, you got to see this movie, The Secret. So I watched the movie and I thought to myself, okay, like, okay, 
I don't think that I have anything to be grateful for, but let me just start with gratitude. I was desperate. I was like, I'll try anything. If you tell me to stand on my head and do coffee enemas at the same time, like I will do them. <laughs> Maybe not the best idea while pregnant, but I was all that to say is desperate. Okay. That so is a, a really, that, that was really unique the way you went off on that tangent, girl. <laughs> Welcome to my personality, Hillary. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. It's a roller coaster. So I, I started with the gratitude list and I still have that piece of paper. It's in, in uh. storage. So on one side of the paper, I wrote 10 things I was grateful for. And then on the other mm. side, I made my own vision board because I didn't have any magazines around or, and I didn't have a printer to print things out off the internet. Sure. So I drew in pencil what I wanted and it was a house with hearts all over it. It's so like an artist, I am not. I can put words together like nobody's. You business. need to That's frame this. You need to I pull should. that and out. I put of it on my gallery wall. You do because I just wanted to be by, surrounded by people that loved me, and it was just hearts and a home. And and I was holding a baby in the in the picture, and and that's really all I wanted. And that's, that was the first step I took. That was that first week of my rock bottom. And then I also made a commitment to be incredibly intentional about my relationships. So who were these people, you know, the friends that I had that really loved to gossip and tell me all of the shenanigans that were going on with my ex-husband and his girlfriend. And I just stopped hanging out with them. It wasn't that they were bad people or anything. It just, I'm like, who, who do I want to spend my time with? And, and I just had to really also get to know myself because this was the first time I had ever not been in a relationship since I was 15 years old. Oh, I had I so no idea that. who I was. I, I get that. All of my self-esteem and worthiness into a man's eyes. Like if, it, as long as I was loved and adored, then I was okay. And I couldn't live like that anymore. You know what you said that really, um, I can remember after I got separated and there were people that, you know, were there to really fuel the fire mm -hmm. and they wanted to do that. And they wanted to talk about my ex and gossip and do all this. And I kept thinking every time I got one of these calls or in person when I thought, you know, I feel terrible after I talk to this person. Yeah. I feel terrible about, I don't want to know. Why are they sharing this with me? What is their intention of sharing this with me? They think they're being helpful. They, they do. And that I, I, that's why I'm bringing this up is that, you know, they don't really understand. That's their, that's what they've gotten into the habit of being is, you know, having these, the, the gossip as their way of communication and falling into that habit. But I realized I couldn't do it. I couldn't be up around these people. I chose the people I wanted to then hang out with that made me feel better, that were putting me first, that were putting my feelings first. And that's when I started to realize I, you have a choice in who you actually hang out with. Mm -hmm. Totally. And oh, that's actually how I met my current husband. And we've been married for almost 13 years now. So is it 13, 12? 12. <laughs> I can't okay. I get, you know what, right now we have people that are listening to this smiling like, yes, yes. 12 or well, 13. We don't know how long. I don't know. Married, but it either is, way, it's, it's really over good. 10 years that kind of gets all mixed up. But and it's I met him because he was, you know, I had built my life around 
my husband and his, my ex-husband and his family and his friends. Mm-hmm. And, and I also, there was grooming involved that I see now that I didn't see then, you know, I was, I, I was isolated from a lot of my own friends and I didn't have any male friends that weren't part of his circle. And so my sister introduced me to him and, and I knew that I, you know, I was pregnant at the time. I knew I didn't want to have like a romantic relationship and nor, nor did I really have any business being in one because I needed to do a lot of healing, but it was, it and I, I still have the email exchange back and forth where I was very straightforward. I know you're probably shocked, but I, I said, <laughs> I'm being very intentional about my relationships right now. And I mean, boy, did he know what he was getting into. Andrea is always going to tell you how she feels, but I, I love reading that email because I was done BSing with my life. Like, okay, like, you know what I'm hearing right now? You were in the process. You were like, I'm going to realign with who I am supposed to be. I had never done that before. It is so maybe good. like as a child, you know, I was going back. That was the, the, the re part of it. Mm. Um, but it did feel like I was doing it for the first time. And there, and it did feel like so much power in that it was both terrifying and empowering. But yeah, we just, we hung out with no expectations and just got to know each other and talked about life and talked about relationships and things like that. And then we ended up falling in love and getting married and having a child together. And he adopted my son and uh, happily ever okay. after. I mean, okay, kind go of wait, wait, like wait. That. Yeah. And, and love, I love this, but I want to go back for a second. So you're in the process when you're, you're, you're pregnant, you meet, you know, this guy that you're like, oh, great guy, but I need to, you know, I need to be me. Space. I need to, yeah. yeah, I need to do me, make sure that I really understand. So you, you had to come to grips with at this point, you did not want to be that person of the past. You, you needed to rebrand yourself into somebody that one you liked. Mm-hmm. And I often say, everyone out there is encouraging us to love ourselves, love this, love the job, love, the, love, love, love. And for a lot of us, we don't even like ourselves first. We got to get to like before we get to love, right? And so how did, you know, how did this journey of rebranding yourself, how did that come to be? I know you said that you had to like, you know, come to terms with all this, but how'd you actually do it? That's such a great question. And I'm always obsessed with like, what did that actually look like on a day-to-day basis? So I, I love this question. To be perfectly honest with you, those first several months and maybe even the first couple of years, I was so traumatized. I was sort of just existing and surviving. One of the things that I did that was incredibly helpful was go to Codependence Anonymous. You know, I'm I'm a fan of 12-step programs. Um, I'm also, I've been sober since 2011. So I think they can be hugely helpful and sort of um, open the door to personal development because that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a personal growth program for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And my therapist had encouraged me to go. And I, I had been in the habit of blaming everyone else for my problems. You know, if everyone else would just behave better, we would all be happier. <laughs> they just didn't know it yet. I would be happier. They would be happier. We as a team would be happier. So it was, it was really a matter of owning my part in things. 
but being careful not to place too much blame on myself. So that's a, that's a tricky balance of taking responsibility for your life and how you were showing up in the world and, and my behavior, which I was not proud of. I mean, that's like the whole, like, I didn't, I didn't like myself. I didn't like how I was showing up. I didn't like my behaviors. And so again, like those first couple of years were kind of just surviving and, and, and being in a bit of a fog. And then, and then I, you know, I also had, you know, had children and, um, started a business and it really was when I got sober in 2011 where the fog truly lifted. And I was like, oh, my doctor was not kidding when she said that I had PTSD from everything that I had experienced. Cause I had poo-pooed that I'd always been the strong one. And so I didn't, I didn't really want to admit like the severity of what I had been through emotionally. Um, so it was, it was a lot of therapy, again, taking responsibility for what I needed to take responsibility for, and also getting very clear on my values. I had not done that ever, but when I went to go get my first life coaching certification, that's one of the things that we did because it's one of the things that we do with clients. Like, What's important about the way you live your life? Even if you're not doing it right now, name it, but don't just name it. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis when you are faced with a really difficult circumstance, when you have to have a hard conversation with someone? Um, if you have to make a decision, if something is pushing up against you and making you angry, like, you know, name all of that. And that has continued through the last decade and beyond just about what is important about the way that I live my life. Am I showing up as much as I can? Am I cleaning up any messes that I make? Cause I still <laughs> do it. You know, do I, do I make amends where I need to? And um, that's just kind of like a, like a meta view of, of what it looked like to completely realign. Wow. So you had all the trauma, the PTSD, mm-hmm. you were, you were, you know, hitting, hitting the the drinks and you're like, wait, I got to stop this. Right. And you really decided it's kind of like, you know, I, I talk about, um, I had a business with another uh, partner of mine, White Space Inc., I-N-K was the name and you have that whiteboard and there's some times where you go into an office and it's just covered, you know, it's covered with so much stuff. You can't even see like, what was my main thought there? There's just so Mm -hmm. much on there and you just erase it and you start again. And I kind of had this vision when you said that, you know, at the time when you gave up alcohol and you just kind of like, huh, right. You just decided that now is your time to just move forward and you dealt with these things values. So important. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you what your top value is? Right now it's courage, responsibility, and trust. Um, Mm. and I think they change depending on the season that you're in, but courage has always been mine, but responsibility and trust have been big for a couple of different reasons, but yeah, those are mine. So I always think about when you said, um, you know, you're blaming yourself for some of the Mm -hmm. things that were happening. I can appreciate that because it's when we take ownership of what we've done, but there's a difference between taking responsibility and allowing for blame and shame to take over, right? Can you help us in your mind how you decided to take responsibility but that you were able to overcome the shame. Mm -hmm. So the taking responsibility, like the very first thing that I did was admitted that I had tolerated crumbs, that I had settled for 
hardly anything at all in terms of, of a relationship, in terms of intimacy, in terms of trust, those types of things that are important in, in relationships. Mm-hmm. And also, I also, I also just never had really allowed myself to mature emotionally. You know, I identify as an addict. I was just, I think, blessed enough to never fall into drugs. My addictions were people. Uh, I was extremely codependent. I was also a a love addict in my twenties where I used relationships to um, basically get high. I mean, it's a, it's a process addiction, whereas, you know, drugs and alcohol are a chemical addiction. And as an addict, we tend to sort of emotionally stunt ourselves whenever the addiction started. And for me, it was around 16, 17, probably 17. Mm-hmm. And so when I did finally get sober, I I kind of half joke that I was emotionally illiterate. Like I didn't grow up in a family where we were vulnerable and talked about hard things and and were were always where my feelings were welcome, which I think a lot of, a lot of us aren't raised that way. And so I had to learn that all emotions are okay. Like it it just is information. It's just my body's way of taking care of itself. And I know I'm kind of getting off track from your question around, around taking responsibility, but this is just sort of the things that Mm -hmm. I, that I had to do in order to not blame myself. And I also got certified in shame work. I'm certified in, in Dr. Brene Brown's methodology. I went in 2014 and that was enormously helpful. I had no idea it was going to, I was going to have to do my own shame work. Like I knew, but I didn't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that was helpful. Like knowing the steps of shame resilience and, um, and, and things like that, but it was, yeah, it's been quite a journey that's still not over. Is it ever? No. no right. So as you sit here and you think about the silver linings, you think about your journey, would you ever want to go back and erase anything that's happened? Absolutely not. No. You know, I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to have that rock bottom moment in order to change their life. I don't. I think for people, and I can only speak from my own experience, but some of us have a very high pain tolerance. Apparently I do. I can take a lot of BS before I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should change my life. And also I didn't get the, I wasn't learning the lesson. You know, they say the universe keeps handing you the same lesson until you learn it, whether that's in this lifetime or another lifetime. My intuition had been telling me when I told me when I was 19 to break up with him. And I didn't, I didn't because I, you know, thought I loved him and I thought that he would change. And I thought we just needed to grow up together. And, uh, you know, he had so much potential and I was getting close to his family and I really liked his sisters-in-law and, 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 and there were so many excuses that I kept making. Meanwhile, my intuition kept getting louder and louder and louder. And my intuition told me not to marry him. And I did. So I do think that the universe intervened and said, if you're not going to leave, we're going to put this stepping neighbor beautiful neighbor. And she's going to have, she's going to get pregnant and it's going to be like, you don't have a choice, sister. Catastrophic. (laughs) I got a bomb dropped in my life and that's what I needed. And it's, I'm a firm believer too, that the people that hurt us the most have the potential to be our biggest teachers. Do I think it's Mm -hmm. necessary for people to have egregious violent things happen to them to learn a lesson? Absolutely not. I think some things are so terrible and I I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I don't. I think that that's 
the worst quote floating around yeah. the personal right. development spaces. But I, I think that for me personally, no, I wouldn't change any of it. Like he, that's, you know, you, I thanked you, him in my first book yeah. and my acknowledgements. I'm like, thank you for well, being the catalyst. And you said something, you know, that it's not about, you know, everything is going to be, you know, oh, it's that lesson and it, all that. It's, it's really about the lessons that you can learn from the experience because there are heinous experiences that are out there, but it, there's a form of the silver lining that it, it evolves you to where you are. And I honestly have not interviewed a single person that has been through the worst of the worst of the worst who has said, yeah, I would change it. I'd go back if I could not eat. I mean, I've had like, you can imagine the type of mm-hmm. interviews I've had, but there is this point where you do, the universe is putting out there and it will keep giving you that, Hey, you're going to learn if I'm going to beat you over the head with this until you do. And once we awaken to that part of it and we realize, right. And we realize everyone that we need to understand that this is just going to keep happening. That's when we can sit here and say, Hey, reset. I need a reset right now. I need to realize that I cannot have this continue to happen in my life. Now what? Now, what can I do? And that's where, if it's really at a point where, you know, you need to go get additional coaching, therapy, help, you have to. And I love that, you know, you mentioned Brene Brown and the shame therapy and, you know, you realize that, Hey, I have to, you realize Mm -hmm. I have to give up, you know, alcohol. And that's probably another program. And there's just, uh, there's so much here. And I am so grateful that you, that you came and shared this with us. And I do love when you said about the secret and you just, you know, started, you didn't even have the magazines. You didn't have anything. You just started to write those suckers down because people who are listening out there right now, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses that this is just your life, that this is just the way it is. It doesn't have to be that. It's a story you're telling yourself. And as you've just heard, you know, Andrea is telling us that you can, and now she's, you know, in a wonderful marriage, she has two kids and we're not sure if it's 12 or 13, you know, years they've been married, but they have, you know, two children. We do know that for sure. We love it. And I I always do rapid fire questions. Okay. And so I would love to know at this point, and I, you know, to lighten things up a bit, you have these two kids. Where do you want to take them this summer? Where are you the most excited having not been anywhere in so long? We're actually not for the first time. We're not going anywhere this summer because my daughter has summer school. That's part of the reason, but I'm, I'm a pretty simple, like I love going back home to San Diego. Luckily we stay with my in-laws and they have a pool. So it's fantastic. And lots of there's the vacation right there, right? It, It really is. We're lucky that we grew up in a place where when we go back, it is a vacation destination. Okay. And given that we talked about this, that I have been literally since I was five going to the San Diego, La Jolla area, what's your favorite restaurant there? Oh, hands down. Um, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, oh, I like this. There two. might be two so here. Las Olas and um, there's a location in Solana Beach and one in Carlsbad, Mexican food. Mm. They have the best fish tacos in Calamari. I got to tell you, Mexican is absolutely one of my favorites. So excited. I'm even having Mexican tonight. Okay. And what 
is going to be your next big idea, the big project? Um, Well, I just birthed one. My third book is about to come out as we're recording this. And I'm already thinking about my next one. It's a book about women and power. So. Oh, so good. Which leads me to what does powerhouse of possibility mean to you? Powerhouse of possibilities. Oh my gosh. To me, that just embodies everything we talked about, that you are responsible for so many more things than you think you are. Yes, there are so many things that are out of your control, but when it comes down to it, the really great news is that you're in charge of your beliefs. And so I'm always a big fan of people unpacking that to create better ones that work. Mm, All right. And last but not least, which is one of our crowd favorite questions, what is your favorite beauty product by name? Okay. So when you told me that you were going to ask me this, what did I say? (laughs) Do you remember? I don't remember. (laughs) I said, I can only pick one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Because there's hair, there's skincare. Okay. So probably my newest one, it's... um, it's a self-tanning face serum called Isle of Paradise. It comes in a little blue bottle. I love it. I'm already writing it down. It's, it's <laughs> Isle it has of Paradise, hyal- ladies. I don't know how to say this. Hyaluronic, yeah. hyaluronic acid. Yeah, hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it all, it just, it, it doesn't dry you out and it doesn't have a weird smell. And it comes with a, or maybe I bought that separately, a cute little like applicator, but you can mix it with your moisturizer or your sunscreen or whatever. And it just gives you like that, like healthy glow, but doesn't make you look like an Oompa Loompa. Okay. Well, she's got the healthy glow because I'm looking at her right now and you too can, if you go over to YouTube and check this podcast out, but I got to say, unbelievable. How can people get in contact with you and find out more and read all these amazing books? All these amazing books that I've written. So probably the best way, um, if people are new, brand new to my work, andreaowen.com slash free. There's a really fun secret podcast series that I have over there that's great for anyone. And then um, my books are at andreaowen.com slash books. And they can, you know, kind of pick which one they think might be the best for them or get all three. And I also love to spend time on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Hey Andrea Owen. Hey, Andrea Owen. It's so fun. I am not on TikTok and you are about (laughs) the third person in a week, one week that has said, Hillary, get over there. And I'm like, it's wildly entertaining, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was for like, really? No. All right. It used to be, but the the Gen Xers are infiltrating. And the millennials. Don't we always, we're just a little slower. We're a little <laughs> right. slower, you know, at the pickup. Well, all right. This has been so much fun. We will definitely put all of this in the show notes over at therelaunchco.com in the podcast area. Andrea, thank you. It was thank so, you so much, amazing Hillary. having you here, lively conversation, but also heartfelt. Oh my gosh. The journeys, the journeys that we go through. 100%. I mean, like, thank you mega, mega relaunches all here being shared today. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. So you take care and we will check out all of the links on you. Thanks again for being here. Bye-bye. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, 
Will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.